2: Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD, if you want to follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where, uh we'll, we'll talk a little bit about yesterday's slate. Yesterday's slate, but what went wrong? What went right? What did the sharp players do? And we'll talk a little bit about today. I guess today, the, the, late, the late slate, the early slate. I don't know if we can even talk about the early slate. Half the games by block, it, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the sites are doing. The lock is, what, at 12.35? And we're probably not going to have half the lineups for the slate out. So uh, apparently they wanted to do it that way. So, I mean, I guess, can we talk about it? Sure, but but I don't know. You really can't build lineups. I mean, you have to prepare swaps or whatever. I mean, some of these lineups may be different at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but I guess I guess you got to live with that so uh so if, if you if as we always do here we talk about DFS strategy primarily not picks not plays not locks not anything we're talking about tools projections strategy if you got any questions put it in the YouTube chat I see you guys in here already Sufi Singh, Tom Montgomery, Card Fan, Daniel Hutchins, DFS Degenerate, Michael uh, Michael Dompier, Brandy McNeil, Hit that thumbs up button. I got, I got. I think this is the last Mott's apple juice in the fridge. I got to get more. I got to go out and get more uh, today. So keep it cold throughout the show. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Yeah, you're right, Daniel. Almost a four hour gap between the start of the first and the last. Game. It's. I don't mind the gap, right? I don't mind the gap. Like from from a sweat perspective, who cares, right? Who cares? It's just that uh, how. It's, how do you make lineups? Like, how do you make lineups not knowing the lineups? Especially because the day, the day games after the night game, the night games or whatever, that type of thing. Like something, they, they rest people, catch different catchers, right? You take a look here. It's like, okay, Brewers, Diamondbacks. is like, is, is, is Narvaez going to, oh, well, against the lefty? Is it going to be Pina? Is, I mean, what happened to Vogel back? Is he going to play, right? I mean, he's probably, he was hobbling. Right Then you take a look at the Diamondbacks. I don't know what the hell's happening here. You're probably not playing the Diamondbacks with Woodruff here. And you look here and you go, okay, well, well Tani's pitching. It's like what that lineup's going to look like. The Giants are probably going to be something like something like this, right? Okay. Then you get the Rockies. These aren't that great of games to begin with. It's still like the Mariners. Like, What's going to happen there? Is Tom Murphy, Luis Torrens? Where's, where's Dylan Moore? Is he going to be up in the order, lower in the order? Who knows? I guess these will be easier to swap, right? I think some 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 of these teams are a little bit easier because the, the the players that, that you'd be swapping to would be about the same price anyway. We don't even have a Nationals. We don't even have a Nationals lineup and their game is at one o'clock, right? So what the hell are you going to do? Who who are we likely playing on this early slate? Before we get into yesterday's slate, I don't know. I didn't even look. I don't even look at the early slate because I have other stuff I had this show. I got a meeting. I got a doctor's appointment. I, I can't even play. I can't even play the soccer slate. And that's a four-game slate. Brutal. Playing the nine. playing the seven o'clock baseball slate. i played soccer to no side. So there is no soccer tomorrow. Right. What well, what are we doing on the early slate? I don't even know. Who are we attacking? Who's the highest total team? Right. Well, we got the White Sox It's Chase Young. We got uh the, yeah, the Cardinals. got yeah, good luck with that. I tried the Cardinals yesterday. Well, they're up against Matt Manning. Well, who cares? It doesn't matter. They're horrible. <laughs> Lars Nootbaar, play that guy. Okay, let's see. Let's go back to yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. Uh, if you faded hated the Astros, you did the right thing. Okay, I mean, it's confirmed. Like that was by far, like, not, you don't have to X amount but going under on like 24% on DraftKings, 24% Alvarez, 23% Brantley, 21% Altuve, right? Abraham Toro was over 16%. Robo Garcia was 12%. And you can see here by the yellow that like I just picked out like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, sharp players. I mean, like a hub row had like, like none, like literally no Astros, 0%, nothing. But I mean, like FJ Bourne, like bare, like one lineup. Brantley, 8%. Hold Tuve, I can understand. Second base is a weaker position, right? Toro, like Toro across the board, like way under. Yeah, say Whistles had, you know, 14%. Okay. Had a little, Jordan had a little, like a, a little under. Still had some. But like across the board, the Astros were over owned. Then an, another player on DraftKings was, was, Overowned for a fourteen-game slate, and that's uh, uh Wander Franco. You can see here across the board, yellow, 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 yellow. Yeah, I know he's two K. Oh, he's mispriced. Uh, how do you not play him? How do you not lock him in? If these min price, well, min price in baseball is different than min price in basketball. Okay, being a min price player, the basketball scoring is an event-based. Wander Franco could have easily gone zero for four yesterday. Anyone could have gone over for 4 yesterday. Abraham Toro went 0 for 4. I mean, it's baseball, right? Yeah, they may have a median. Oh, he's a median of 10. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, median of 10. The zeros are all, all in his range of outcomes. Threes, sixes, right? But he's 2K. Oh, so? But if all the 21% of lineups that are in a 14-game slate have a 2K shortstop, you know how 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 uh, how much your builds are going to look the same? If you played Juan Franco, the Astros, and Cole and Giolito, I mean, what? Why did you even bother playing GPPs yesterday? So, why did you bother? But of course, Franco goes for twenty-seven points. But this is what I mean by don't go, don't, don't go by the results. Go by the process. So, yeah, like you can't you can't think in your head. You go, oh, the Astros fade was sharp, right? Because look at all the sharp players. Oh, but fading Franco is is dumb. Like, no, it's this it's the same concept. It's the same exact concept over over owned for their probability of a ceiling. Well, they hit the ceiling. Okay. It's not, it's not a 0% chance. So there you go. So that, that was, I mean, if you were in DraftKings and you made non Astros, non Wander Franco lineups, you, you, you were sharp. Uh, Sharps were kind of mixed with Garrett Cole. He was the most owned pitcher, 40% on DraftKings. He was only 27% on FanDuel. Uh, He got some strikeouts, but I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be double-digit strikeout Cole anymore. Giolito put up a decent game, right? Didn't get the win. Scherzer put up a good game, even though he he didn't pitch as long. But he got a ton of strikeouts. Charlie Morton was the play. He was like 4% owned on FanDuel. But on a two-pitcher site like DraftKings, I can understand it. So Wheeler get, Wheeler got killed. I had a lot of Wheeler on FanDuel. On fan Peralta, 35, Morton. I mean, Stripling had a decent game, right? Di crushed it. I mean, Heaney, Heaney was able to get 17 and a half points, even having like a, had, had, a, had a bad game, right? Because he ended up with 10 strikeouts anyway, even though he's given up dongs all over the place. He was just saved by some of these... D- d- Sharp players. I mean, sharper players went Scherzer. Like they went, oh, the Scherzer's sure, still Cole, still a mix of both, but then you know, played some Kershaw, played, but still not as many. Oh, we see some Morton here. I mean, but still, if you look at this ownership, I said yesterday on, on Crunch Time and on the Morning Grind, I think no, no, I'm Morning grind I did for today. That too many people are gonna make these types of builds. the, the two the two expensive pitcher builds. And you could see here just by the ownership that that's exactly what happened the too expensive picture in the wander Franco type of build did that build get there I don't know did it get there no no it actually didn't it didn't get there well some it was one two three this is just a mess this is a mess of a lineup it's a three three the three three something something or other on a 14 game slate okay I guess it can get there what did the mish have? Oh, the Mish had what? Three, four, four, five. Okay, okay, we got the Oakland stack. That probably was the winner. Loriano Kana, Andrews Chapman, Murphy. No Olson. Peralta Morton, the nut pitcher combination. And then uh Brantley is a one-off. Okay, I guess just just what fit. I guess you could do it with the ownership on all of these being low. And then Voight and Le- Lemay were both at home runs. Like in any other in any other day, this would have been the winning lineup. If Summit eighty seven decided just not to play today and just not put together whatever the hell they put together. Like that lineup, that this would this would be the winning lineup. Five two one with the nut pitching combination. That both were not as owned. You take a look at like player one, Cole Peralta. Like, yeah, Cole, you know, that gap was then you'd rather have someone else there for that price. But this is a Wanda Franco lineup. But Wanda Franco doesn't look that bad at his ownership in a lineup like this. The stack is under 10% owned, and all the other anything else, like Badu is 8%, <coughs> and Peralta is four, <coughs> is 14% compared to all the other pitchers. So you didn't need the, okay, fine. You want to take on a, a choc franco in that lineup? Go, go for it. Have fun. In this type of lineup, F.J. Bourne, this is a weirder lineup. Morton, Rodriguez, this is the double pay down lineup. Oakland, 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 five-man Oakland, two-man Boston, and Jonathan Scope. Okay, any other day, this is a, this is a good lineup. Leaving 500 on the table like this makes sense. We take a look at at stacks. Let's get rid of the pictures here. I mean, you can obviously see right at the top that that the Astros are going way over owned for a 14 for a 14 game slate. Yesterday yesterday in the bat, I'll take a look. look here. I, I got my my cheat sheet. Uh, the bat was one, two, three, four. This the Houston was the sixth highest ceiling in the bat. Yet yeah, look at their ownership. I mean, this is it's ridiculous. And that's the main reason. Like, yeah, I played on FanDuel. I still had Astros, but I didn't have much. Uh number one was the Cubs. And Eli Eli Morgan just comes out into five innings, nine times strikeouts, just out of nowhere. Just not okay, whatever. Right. And then eventually the Cubs hit the bullpen. So like Contreras and Wisdom and Bryant. I mean, if you had like that, that secondary got eventually got there. But like as a team, it didn't really. And the Cardinals just cried. Cardinals were number two, Angels number three, Brewers number four, and Mariners number five. It's like, those were more of the teams that I played. I didn't have much Oakland on FanDuel. I had a little. I had an Oakland Brewers lineup, good Bruin, Bruin towards the end, but also I had like 30% Wheeler, and that that, that screwed me. I'm sitting there with good lineups. I'm sitting there with an Oakland stack, with the, uh, with the, the... Home runs in the lineup in the other spots and the Wheeler's 12 points up there at FanDuel. I'm like, come on, really? That's why I thought Wheeler was under. I think Wheeler was, what, like 8% or something yesterday in FanDuel? We can see here the, the Cubs. The Cubs, look, Brick, I could go by shortstop, right? Baez, right? Maybe Forsaken didn't have any Cubs, but a Hubbro, uh-huh, Brick 75, Squirrel Patrol, F.J. Bourne, I mean, over on the Cubs. Cardinals, Tyler O'Neill. you can see right here. More green than anything. Jazz Chisholm. Okay. Maybe not. eh, A little. You see the Cubs with Jock Peterson. Yeah, over. Brick 75, over. The the Mariners. Look at the green on Ty France. That means over. The White Sox, Tim Anderson. That's a bunch over. The Mariners here. The Tigers. A little but still look, look, look at Paul Goldschmidt, like almost, almost like over, over, not like excessively, <coughs> but that's where you go. You go down in a six, eight percent range day. You start seeing the stacks because why should these teams be three times less owned? Should the Astros be more? Yes, yes, they should be, right? It's not a question. They shouldn't be even, There's no reason there's there's really from a range of outcomes perspective, there's no reason that Michael Brantley should be nearly 24% owned and, and Tyler O'Neill be what half that owned, 12% and no reason for, you know, Mark Hanna to be 7%. I mean, like, yeah, one should be slow. Oh, More owned than the others, but not to that extent. And that's where you're taking advantage of in GPPs. That's the whole concept. So that's why you see a lot of green around. You go into results DB. The green in these three, four, five, six, you typically see a lot of yellow. A lot of yellow. A lot of urine color. It doesn't matter what they put up. Right? On on DraftKings, if you give me a 21% owned Anyway, you give me a 20, you give me a 20 plus percent home hitter, any hitter, doesn't matter their price or anything on a 14 game slate. And it's, it's, it's unlikely that I'm, I'm, I'm going to have more than 20%. I'm most likely going to try to make lineups without them. Just, that's just the way that baseball is. Basketball, we can talk, we do the other way, right? Oh, this guy's going to be 80% owned. And you go 80% owned may actually be under owned, right? The guy's 3,800, going to play 40 minutes as the point guard with a 28% usage rate, and you know his his meeting is 47. I mean, yes, you play you're playing him. <laughs> like the 20% of people are just getting stupid, right? At that point, let's see going through the YouTube chat. Nate Branshaw, are you more likely to fade over hitters in single entry in three max? Knowing in those contests those truck players are usually going to gain more ownership than what is projected. Yes. That that goes along with the with the concept of when I say I'm more contrarian in single entry, right? It doesn't mean playing nuts. You could be way contrarian in large field. You should, because you need to get you need to get more leverage. And because you need to but you need to find it. So, like, for instance, if we take a look here, this I think yesterday's slate is a good example let's go let's go to. let's use results db let's go back to the slate let's go to the ownership tab okay that looks at ownership throughout well i need to see what the names of the contest what are the names of the contest on that they're running yesterday okay so here we go is the where's the single entry the battery the 121 battery right okay because that's the 121 single entry 643 entry right we're going to do that one uh Let's do also the, the seventh inning stretch, the 777, which is a 15 max, 500 entry. And then do the back flip, okay? So we'll do that. And do the bat flip and the, and the micro mini max also. Well, let's, let's look at, okay, I need to remember the names of this. Okay, the 777, we'll look at the 121, okay. so we're going to look at a cross section. You're going to look at the differences between how these players are owned across everything. Okay, so let's get the 121 single entry. One, 121, can I type that in? 121, no. Single entry battery. Okay, take a look at this. Okay, seven, seven, seven. Mega seventh inning stretch. Okay. And then backflip and we'll even look at the mini max it's in there it's running pretty slow mini max the micro mighty micro, micro mini max okay okay so you can take a look here let's let's go by look 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 at these astro stacks in the single entry okay brightly 43 percent Alvarez 40 percent Wander Franco 42 percent right so take a look take a look at this cross section so we have the 121 single entry is look I mean fading the Astros if the Astros tank you're taking like 40 percent of the lineups in the entire contest right if Wander Franco puts up a three I mean you're tanking so many lineups I mean look at the the differences in ownership here and then you go down, like, let's say, I mean, just look at pitchers. I mean, the pitchers was a little, little, little more spread out. But like Geo, Geo was way more owned than the single entry. Yeah, yesterday wasn't a good, good choice. for You had, you had choices at pitcher. But like, if you wanted to play, like, the, well, the pubs, they were about the same owned. I mean, you're going to get some down here that are going to be under. But look at this. Brantley, Alvarez, Altuve, Otani. Wilson Contreras, Abram Toro is 30% in the single entry. But look at Scherzer. Like Scherzer is the complete opposite, right? Because Gio is more owned. So Scherzer is going to be less owned. So you're looking at the differences between the green and the yellow. Right? Way more chances to be different. But of course, you get slightly better competition. You're less likely to see really bad, really bad lines. But you can take a look at, at the micro-minimax. I mean, look at this cross-section with Wander Franco. Wander Frank. so to put things into perspective, Wander Franco was a better individual one-off play in a lineup at, in the minimax and not so much in, in the single entry or even in the seventh inning stretch of 777 it was 26% owned versus 21% in the backflip. But you can see in the 7th inning stretch, the 777 has a lot of more sharper players, a lot a lot of sharper lineups. So you could look look at the ownership. There's not as much of, of a gap between the Astros and the backflip, which is an $18 large field contest or the MiniMax, which is obviously the cheapy cheapy contest. Like look at Abraham Toro look at Altuve look at Robo Garcia you don't get even though even though you're your're this field is getting smaller but it's getting sharper so it's more likely to correctly be less less likely to use the Astros single entry is still getting plenty of people that are like I gotta play the chalk lineup gotta play the chalk lineup I don't know why gotta play the chalk I don't know. You shouldn't so simply, then, but this is this is why in single entry contests, I say it's easier to be. It's, it, I'm more contrarian, and it's easier to be. That's the reason I'm more contrarian because it's just easier to be. That's all you have to do, if you if you played single entry yesterday and just said I'm not going to play any Astro, then just make the best lineup you can. Just go, just does, play Wander Franco. Fine, you could just do that. You could, you could even do that. You're going to be fading a stack that that's going to be in 40% of the lineups. You're done. That's it. You don't have to go and play. You don't have to go down and play. Uh, I'm going to play the Phillies against Scherzer. You don't, you don't have to do that. You could do that in a large field. Sure. But I mean, in, in the single entry contest, you don't. But it's easier to find leverage. It's easier. It's usually just go, okay, I'm just not going to play Astros. Or I'm going to play Astros, but I'm, I'm going to play them with like, what, well, like Miles straw at the bottom. And then I'm not going to play wonder Franco because he's 42% don't in single entry. Okay. You could do that. You just have to find one angle, just one angle of, I know what the truck's going to be and I have to get rid of some of it. And then, then you're done because it's, they're going to be so much higher owned in the single entry contest that they will be in the GPPs and GPPs. You can't do it as much. If I just full fade the Astros, I mean, that's only, that's only like 18% of lineups in the contest. I still need to beat the other 82%. So it's a little bit harder than in the single entry where it's like, it could be half the lineups have, a, have an Astro in it. As long as the Astros put up, don't do well. Like I have a good chance at first place and I don't need the nuts, right? Because half the lineups are dead. You don't get half the lineups are dead in a, in a larger field contest. But you could also see here that the, the sharper point per dollar plays are typically less owned they could still be over owned but less owned in the lower stakes you, you can see you can see the discrepancy here between the stakes and the sizes of contests that's why if, if, if you if you if in single entry yesterday if you built a lineup that was Cole Giolito uh Houston plus uh Franco like and you're, you're playing badly I'm telling you, you're playing badly. Could you have done one of those things? Sure, of course. Oh, you couldn't have played Cole. You couldn't have played Guerrero. You couldn't play, yeah, one of those you could find, but not all of them together. That was like, that was, you're competing against the same lineups. Oh, they all come in and you still come in 84th. And you're like, how did that happen? Yeah, because there's there's, a hundred lineups that look like this, right? Maybe duplicated on a 14 game and it's a 14 game slate. Right, you you tell me this is a three game slate. Okay, that's a little that's a little different at least. People want to play. Oh, single entry. I don't. I could just play the chalk lineup. Yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. Sean V says I had Morton in a full A stack, so I was happy. I actually did fade chalk Franco, which was dumb. It wasn't dumb. It wasn't. It was not dumb in GPPs. Could you have played him in in that Oakland plus Morton? Yes. Because you didn't need you didn't need the extra you didn't need the extra leverage at that point. So you, you could have played him. But your lineup uh, in, in overall projection and ownership was probably fine the way it was. You you didn't need you didn't even need him. But you didn't need to actively not play him in those types of lines. If you were not playing Cole Giolito Astros or some two out of three of that type of thing. And you could have played Wander Franco in those lineups, but you can't go by what happened. You can't say, I'm, I'm, "Look at what I said before." You can't go. You can't say people that people that that faded Franco were dumb, and and people that that faded the Astros were right. That's just the that's just the way that it worked. That the probabilities of the two of this are, are similar to each other. So one, they both apply together. So you can't just go by the results. If the let's say we come into today, the Astros put up 16 runs against Jorge Lopez, right? And Juan DeFranco is sitting there for, not a great debut, right? Oh for four, zero points. You'd be sitting there going, yeah, it was dumb to it was dumb to fade the Astros. And it was so easy to fade a a, a 2K a, a rookie coming up, even though he was 2K. It's baseball, right? I mean, you could you. It would have been the, it would have been that conversation. You can't just go by the results. Was he more? Was he over or under owned in comparison to the lineups that you're playing them in? Houston definitely. Franco, for baseball, yes. any, any on a fourteen game slate, anyone that's over twenty percent is just. You have too many other people to choose from. But you can play them in lineups. If you played it, you could have played an Astros stack with Morton and then like a three-man something or other that's 3% the Rangers yesterday or some, something like that. And you could have played someone. I don't know who's on yesterday's slate. 1% on whatever. And that would have been fine also. Oh, well, the Astros didn't come in. Okay, well, in comparison to that overall lineup, you were still fine. Michael Dampier asks, uh can you differentiate pitcher ownership meaning if you see Cole at 30 percent that's different than Houston at 30 percent well there's less well Houston understand that Houston is still nine batters so you can play doesn't mean you have to play the top five owned Houston guys when you play a pitcher there's no other choice right so you can play you can play like you can play a Houston sack without Brantley or Alvarez and and actually lower your ownership so there's a possibility of doing that with actual teams and stacks. Pitchers, you can't do that, right? And also remember, pitching is much more predictable. Pitching is linear. It's not event driven. Right? There's more data points and there's gonna be more pitches. It's not gonna be four at bats and just line drive. Oh, snared by the shortstop. Like, like two feet different. That would have been a double, right? A ball all the way to the wall. Oh, he catches it at the wall. Another three feet, that's a home run. Pitchers, they don't work that way. So it's more likely that the pitching projections are going to be narrower, less variance. Hitting projections are going to be much wider. Hence why the better projected pitchers typically are higher owned, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. But you have to do the same comparison as you would with, pitchers as you would do with the batters like you take a look here we take a look at pitchers should Cole be oh uh, 70% more owned than Wheeler probably not should Max Scherzer be a third of the owned uh, two and a half you know, something like that less probably not Peralta should Kershaw be only eight percent probably not the comparison of Cole but Cole should still be, should have still have been the highest owner. Should, Cole's effective ownership probably was still 30%. That was probably his efficient ownership. Giolito's efficient ownership on DraftKings yesterday was still probably 30%. You're not, it's not so over-owned. And the fact is that it's easier to increase the variance of your lineup. Remember, in GPPs, your goal. Is it take, you know, you, you don't want to play optimally, you want to increase the barrier. You want a higher, wider range of outcomes, more correlation. You want to increase that top end. It's much easier to do so with batters than it is with pitchers. Right? So it's so much easier to say, well, maybe Oakland maybe, maybe the maybe the A's go off instead of the Astros today, right? Matt Chapman, right? Olson, Canha, like the difference between those guys versus whoever the hell the Rangers were throwing out Hearn and whoever Lyles came in and the Astros and Alvarez and Brantley and Altuve to be like, okay, the Astros are, you know, those guys are better than Loriano and Cana. They are better. Or how much better are they that much better. Not really. Is the picture that they're facing uh, that much different Lorpez versus not really. Right. So it's like, well, if one's going to be 20, 22% owned and one's going to be 7% owned, it's so, much e- it's so much easier to then drop your lineup. Play Yes, you're going to drop two, three points in projection, but you get a ton of ownership. Two or three points in projection, a pitcher, typically is a much worse pitcher. So it's so much easier to get a lineup that projects well in his own low by doing you know, Oakland plus New York plus whatever, than saying like, well, I'm going to play Sandy Alcantara and Andrew Heaney in my lineup, right? I'm going to, I'm going to instead of playing the chalk pitchers, I'm going to play two 2% owned pitchers. And the reason why they're 2% owned is because they project worse than these other pitchers. So I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm going, yes, I'm giving up, if I play Alcantara and Heaney, I'm going to be giving up, I don't know, eight, eight 10 points in projection, I'm going to get the ownership with it. So now, now I don't need any more leverage. So then what? And now I'm playing, now I'm playing the chalk Castro stack and Wander Franco. Well, which is, which is more likely to be variant, pitching or hitting hitting. So why, why do I want, why would I want to play a lineup that is Brantley, Alvarez, Altuve, Toro, Wander Franco why do, why do I want to play? I'm going to jam in all of the chalk hitters. Like not just some of them, literally all of them. I'm going to play Otani and Contreras and whatever. And then get different at different at pitcher. It's like, well, how much different are your lineups really going to be? Because you're still going to be sharing lineups with like 20% of the field as it is. And then you got to hope that your two worst pitchers beat out the, the better hit, the better pitcher. But the fact that pitching projections are much more much more linear, much more normally distributed than hitters. It would make more sense if you're gonna play two lineups that are similar in projection and ownership. You'd you'd rather the difference you, you're increasing more variance with the hitters than you are with the pitchers. So even though the medians may be the same, it's quite possible that the ceiling of the lineup, the ceiling outcome like the range of the lineup that has the two chalk pitchers and the off the board stack is actually way higher than the one you're playing the chalk goddamn everything and just differentiating a pitcher. Cause then you have to say that like, well, the only way I win is if the, if all the, all the chalk event driven people go off that only have four or five shots to do so. And, and on top of that, that has to happen. And, I need I need Sandy Alcantara to be to not to not only beat Cole, but he has to beat Giolito and has to beat Wheeler and has, has to be the highest scorer on the slate, also, on top of that. And Charlie Morton also and also be that. Like, why are you differentiating being more likely to differentiate at the positions where it's less variant and not where it's more variant? It's very similar to basketball when you get these like the min price guys like 4,200 price it's like don't be cute just basketball projections are so much more linear it's not as event driven so just eat those guys you see you see the sharp players how they play NBA DFS when we have these these value plays that are ridiculous that have have 8x 9x medians medians 10x medians you see them like they're 97 percent of their lineup I mean like they're just why why it's basketball? It's not event driven They're gonna like play 34 minutes. Unless they shoot 0 for 17 or something, they're probably at least at least gonna get to the point where they made value. So it's more likely that you just eat those guys, only because basketball is much more linear, much more normally distributed. Baseball, it isn't. So Juan DeFranco with 2K isn't a slam play. In cash games, sure. He is the highest median. If you're aiming for median, that there you go, you're fine. But once you start comparing it to ownership, like there's no reason that a twenty-one percent, the twenty-one percent owned shortstop, no matter what they no matter what the, if he was free, if Juan Franco was zero dollars yesterday, there's going to be a point where he's overowned. There's going to be that at some level maybe based on your projections if you do you roll your own you made your own model and Wander franco projected so well that even 21 percent was under owned okay then then i could throw out my hands and go based on what you okay true his projection would have to have been much higher based on the bat based on plate iq projections based around projections around the industry i mean he was projected for like nine and a half like median points which is for 2k is like the best value play on the slate, but it's still an event. It's still, this is not a normally, these aren't normally distributed outcomes, right? This is not like you put in this and you're more likely to get, you know, no, this is all over the place. So if he was free, if he was literally free, what would his projection and ownership? If he was if he was free and he was going to be 70% owned, he's probably he's in baseball. And for a hitter in baseball, he's that's over-owned. Yeah, but he's free. Who cares? If he gets a zero, how are you going to win a GP? How are you going to win a GPP at that point? 70% of lineups have a zero in it. Don't you want to take advantage of that? That's the goal. What is the efficient ownership of a player? There's going to be a line. If you want to argue the line, that's perfectly fine. But you have to admit that there is a line. There there is a line. Maybe, like I said, you're like, no, 21% is too low. Okay. You can't tell me that at 80 percent if he was 80 percent owned yesterday that that was that, that he's plus EV at that point individually he's not no no batteries doesn't matter doesn't matter who they are doesn't matter what the price is du, 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 du. Clint Friday asks uh, what's the optimal stack size in DK baseball Gpps it depends on the slate depends on the lineup does not remember remember the remember the two rules of questions you can't if you get there's no exact answer or anything a five a five-man th- a five-three lineup and two crap teams that project bad with two bad pitchers is still a bad lineup. It doesn't matter. Well, I stacked five man, I got a five-three, I got leverage. No, it's still a bad lineup. But yeah, but all evidence points to that that uh the field still does not five-man stack enough. So by default, if you didn't want to, if you didn't want to go into the nuances of different lineups, well, is this four three-one as good as this five-two? Is this, five, two, is this if you want to just default it. If you just defaulted to 5X, just five and whatever. It could be a three-man, it could be a two-man, it could be three one-offs on DraftKings. If you just defaulted, and no matter the size of the slate, smaller slates, you're less likely to stack as much, but if you, if, if you did, you're fine. So if you, don't, if you don't want to think about anything and just default it, and just go every slate on DK in, big, in large field GPPs, I'm playing 5X. I, I I'd say go ahead, then, then don't even have to think about it anymore. And that's what you do. I do that on FanDuel. On FanDuel, I play four three ones. I don't play four fours, and I just play all my liners four three ones because it's just easier to build that way. Could I build some four fours? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I build four two one ones. Sometimes depends how much time I have and how much and, and do I want to. Look at the nuances between lineups. I'm playing 150 of them on FanDuel. Most of the the plus EB lineups are 4-3-1s. So I just play the 4-3-1s. And a lot lot of the reasoning for that is that the the 4-4 lineups project worse and are actually owned more because of the correlation. It's less likely on DraftKings. But we could talk about that on a different day. Yeah, Daniel Hudging says stacking is about increasing variance. That's what makes it good to do in large GPPs with huge payouts up top. You need a huge score to win. So you want to add correlation. You want to increase your leverage. Lower your ownership requisitely and rec- requisite with your projection. So you're going to have a slightly lower projection, but you're going to have much more lower ownership. And just make plus EV decisions and just get your sample size as large as possible. I've been playing for a week and I've lost every slate. Well, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. That's normal. One week. Dude, you could go for, you could. I lose, I lose in GPPs 90 plus percent of the time and I'm wildly profitable. Okay. That's, that, that is the name of the game. This, this season has been brutal, but not because I'm, I'm I'm losing. It's because I'm getting top tens and not getting top. I got one top, Two and like twelve top tens, and these payout structures are just like fifty thousand. And that ninth places is just—you might as well just get, just give me the set of steak knives, right? Tenth places on Fanduel is like three hundred and fifty. It's like, well, well, thanks, three hundred and fifty bucks for coming in tenth out of forty-four thousand. I'm hitting that spot, right? I'm looking there, I'm like, I'm like, I'm in seventh place, six points behind first, right? Like that. T- it's like. It, dude, if someone would have hit a double i would have, i would have 30,000 but no i couldn't get an extra double so like that all you, all you could do is aim for those spots just aim for the top 1% top 0.1% and after that it's just it's varied so judge judge your your play by that more so than did you did you come in first or how many cashes don't even care about that i barely cash well good actually the less you, you cash the probably better that you're playing Right? Okay. If you have any more questions before we get out of here. A little short show today. I got a meeting afterwards. We got Eli got other recordings to do. We gotta you gotta make your lineups for the 12 o'clock. We got you gotta make your lineups for the 1235 slate, even though we have no idea who's, who's playing. We have no idea who's playing. Do we even have starting lineups for oh God, We got the nationals oh, okay. Isn't that nice? But no, you don't get, it's a what? It's a six game slate and half the teams don't have starting lineups. Way to go. I mean, I almost feel that they should have done a three, two, three game slates. I mean, I, obviously I prefer the bigger slates. I prefer a six game slate, but I also prefer all the starting lineups being out before I enter contest, before I, for luck. So I almost think they should have just done a three game this then a three-game, three forty slate, and then, uh, then the, then the main, the main seven, seven gamer. Seven game. Ty, Tyler, Tyler McGill. Who's that? Tyler McGill. He's pitching for the Mets tonight. Tyler McGill. Is he a? Is he a rookie? Is he someone from Double A or something like that? Is he something? He's favored. How bad? How bad of a picture is Kyle Wright would when, when? When the Mets are favored. The Mets are favored in this game. Is that true wow okay okie doke hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door uh hit the subscribe button if you're new here the notification bell to know when we go live we got grinders live later today crunch time for premium members premium members uh so uh so click on that link in the description below to get $10 off your first month. And as always, a lot of the stuff that I talk about on the show when it comes to, you know, ownership, leverage, correlation, projection, all of that, that's all game theory. That's all the game theory of playing DFS. Not about the sport, not about, you know, oh, I think this guy's going to do well. No, well, that's what we have projections for that. So how do you utilize that? 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. If you want structured education, it's like going to a seminar. Applies to any sport. You could use this for NFL, MLB, MLB NBA, NHL, PGA, MMA. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, and psychology. Fifteen hours. We've got some testimonials here. People have listened to it multiple times. Uh, if you want to think like a professional DFS player, this, this, is, this is this is this is what DFS is. This, this is how top players play. So if you want if you want to learn those concepts which i talk about on the show all the time so like feel free to start this show from last year and just watch every episode for hours for hundreds of hours or just it's all condensed into a nice nice structured learning environment 15 hours theoryofdfs.com pick that up and uh, and we'll we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow for this for the seven game for the late slate I was on the I was on the morning grind this morning. We recorded last night. So you know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be stacking against Caprelian and probably getting Stonewall. So that, that is what I'm gonna be doing doing tonight, right? I, I said it on I said it on the, on the on the on the morning grind. Let's see, right? You play the Rangers, probably low-owned Rangers against I, I don't even know. I don't even know what the bad projections are. Right? May, may, maybe 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 actually actually uh actually projects well. Does he? Does he project well at all? He oh, doesn't project horribly, but but yeah. So Capralian, Capralian, is that how you pronounce his name? That's what I'll be doing. And then probably getting stonewalled. It, dep- it depends on what the ownership, I have to see the ownership. That's what's going on tonight. And we'll talk about it tomorrow. Because that's what we do on this show. We review slates, talk about DFS strategy for uh, for upcoming slates or questions in general. And I answer them. Mondays through Fridays, 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.